0: that's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We segue from football to basketball. And um, for those of you who listen to 9 to Noon during the season, uh, Chris Finch, the head coach, has been um, gracious enough for the uh, last couple of years to join the radio show on a weekly basis, courtesy of Second Harvest Heartland. I've gotten to know Chris uh, quite well over the years. I love the NBA. People who have followed my career on k since 98, all the way back to Flip Saunders and stuff like that I uh, just uh, when you when you grow up in washington d c and the then bullets with Alvin Hayes are uh, 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 making me impressionable or during my impressionable years playing the Seattle SuperSonics with DJ and Jack Sigma. I got bit then played basketball through junior college, uh, then went to los angeles and and when you land in Los Angeles in the mid '80s and it 's magic and bird i mean it 's everything so i 've loved the NBA all my life and i 'm really excited to chat with uh, the man to my left, Mike Norrie is the lead assistant for Chris Finch uh, on the Minnesota Timberwolves coaching staff. Can we get a witness and a round of applause, Minnesota, for Mr. Micah Nori taking time to join us here at the great Minnesota get-together. Nice to meet you, my brother. How are things? You as well, thank you. Uh, Micah has been a 24-year, coming up on a quarter-century scout and NBA coach. Started in 98 as an advanced scout with Toronto. And uh, once again, currently the lead assistant for Chris Finch's Minnesota Timberwolves staff. How long have you and Chris known each other, and, um, and how'd you guys meet? So about seven years ago, I was on uh, Mike Malone's staff in Denver, mm-hmm. and we hired
1: um, Chris to come up and help run the offense and that type of thing. And if you go back to that time, he was probably... And obviously with them winning a championship was one of the first ones to utilize, especially in Denver, Nikola Jokic at the top of the floor. He kind of yep. implemented that stuff. And Mike Malone gave him the leeway to do that. Yeah, Malone bought into it all. But uh, Yeah, Joker, I, that second-round pick. Exactly <laughs> right. That uh, Tim Conley, who's here now, uh, oh, yeah. made that pick. But uh, at any rate, I was fortunate to work with Chris seven years ago, meet him with Denver. He mm-hmm. moved on to New Orleans, myself to Detroit. And then when he came and took the Minnesota job, he reached out and uh, was fortunate enough to uh,
0: to come and be here with all of you. Uh, we were um, nice enough before you got here um, uh, the fans were nice enough to offer up some questions for you i'm going to rattle through a couple uh, first is a freeman from minneapolis uh, uh, a freeman's question is how would you describe chris finch's coaching style well that's a good one um
1: i think that his style is again you have some different coaches that uh, have their way of playing and they want to get players that fit their style, mm-hmm. I think the best thing that Chris Finch does as far as that is you look at the talent you have, you have the players that you get, and you adapt to what is their strengths, play away from their weaknesses. And I think you even see that a little bit from where he's been and even in his time here in Minnesota where you had Delo and Carl, and now you've got Rudy and Carl, and then you had Ant to that mix and even a Mike Conley. So as the personnel changes, so does his is a bit i think that um he has his way of doing things but um he's not so hellbent if you will on his way or the highway so i think that he adjusts very very well um i think when you say players coach people think lack of discipline that's not the case at all i think he's a players coach in a sense that he takes what they're saying and the big thing for all coaches is you can do whatever you want you have to get your buy-in and the way you get your buy-in is you explain the why yeah. why are we doing this i can't just tell you hey Go set this pick. Well, why? Well, if you do this, then this, this, and this. And that's essentially, I learned that very, very early. And, and Finchie does a great job of that, of explaining the why, which that's how you get your buy in.
0: A.T. Adams from Minneapolis uh, asks You earned a master's from Miami of Ohio in sports organization. What goes into that major? So,
1: um, when I was at Indiana University, I did an undergrad in sports marketing management and then got a minor in business. And then, so, the master's program with the, uh, with the sports administration is kind of lined up to be more so, would it be like an athletic director mm-hmm. at high school or college, and then they do some different things. You can do different internships at the uh, professional level. It's probably more on the front office side, Yeah, but it's a lot more uh, just if you think business, but just throw business into the in sports and business and merge those that's
0: essentially what it is it, it, have you been to the as they call it the great minnesota get together the uh, minnesota state fair or is today your debut this is my debut wow but i really
1: feel within the two hours i've had some some great people taking me around from our organization that have been here and mm-hmm. feel like they know the ins and outs yeah. and uh, i mean with tony adams with you nobody's gonna mess with you period number one and then i have probably <laughs> consumed already at least five thousand calories and are you kidding me before, yeah i mean
0: we've hit all the stands geez well done <laughs> okay well Are the fairs by Middletown, Ohio, or Bloomington, Indiana, where you went to college, um, uh, are are they like this monster we have here? No, no, no. And um, and my
1: state fair is kind of when you think of the old, uh, you go up right before on a Friday night where they're setting up for your high school and they've got the little tents with the (laughs) the money makers and that's what I was thinking Like there might be a
0: couple popcorn stands, a couple of ball toss or ring toss things and this is just unbelievable. Well uh, up to your left is the midway and I mean you're you're not only an elite uh, basketball mind but you were quite the accomplished middle infielder at IU uh, back in your collegiate days and I think you guys even went to the NCAA tournament so if anybody wants to win one of those great big fat pandas or or, uh, or grizzly bears, the stuffed ones or whatever, head to the left with Mike Anori. He has the basketball and and the, the softball into the milk jug portion of the equation handle, don't you? Well, I would say yeah, but I think unfortunately the athleticism's left, lost <laughs> me, left me a little bit. <laughs> I don't so know I about that. <laughs> uh, this is uh, Mike Anori. He's the lead assistant for Chris Finch on the Minnesota Timberwolves staff. Uh, when we return, we're going to chat about Anthony Edwards, uh, Rudy Gobert, and Kat playing together and what we can expect and much more from the state fair on KFAN Mike the lead assistant for Chris Finch, uh, one of Nine to Noon's very favorites for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Chris is the head coach. Uh, Mike Micah, is on the bench, and um, he's here at the State Fair with Nine to Noon. Uh, and uh, for the Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, relatively soon, uh, you have a trip coming up to Abu Dhabi. Uh, have you ever been to the United Arab Emirates? I have not. I've been very fortunate throughout my years in the NBA.
1: Of, uh, we had a team trip to China, been to... Uh, to turkey been to italy mm. been to spain so what's it, italy like unbelievable is it really it really is and it's funny because when you go to italy everybody you think rome and all that yeah. and, and it is great and then you have to go there when you go there one time but i think the we were fortunate enough to get up into treviso which is so it was more the the, the vineyards and mm-hmm. and then that's close to uh venice and then also the amalfi coast so there's so much there but uh a lot of walking but uh it is it's all uh, we enjoy it and so i'm really really excited um we're able to take, uh, my wife is going to be able to come with us over there, and it's it's always good to have those trips early in the year. It's a nice bonding. You know, everybody gets together, and you're yeah. essentially with them all the time anyways, but it's also a little bit more laid back, and get to know people and, and know each other a little bit, but it's
0: mm-hmm. fantastic, so we're looking forward to it. Now, uh, Micah, in, in researching this, um, I, I read a story from Men Post written by Britt Robson, who's at all the press conferences, covers all the games, um, and, and it's a very, very good writer, very good writer, and he, he had part of his st- story, um, had you saying, I believe with with Marnie Gellner, maybe Leah B. Olson, uh, with one of those halftime interviews you do, quote, if the clock is running, uh, so are we. So, I mean, it's self-explanatory, but really, if you unpack the nuance of that, like, if the clock is running, so are we. What does that
1: mean? Essentially, so after a make or a miss, usually, I mean, the clock doesn't stop in an NBA game after those. And so what what a lot of times teams will happen is everything now in the NBA is pace. Mm-hmm. And not so much as getting a a quick shot. It's almost just playing, getting up, and giving yourself more opportunity in the shot clock and playing before the defense is set. So when you say, if the clock is running, so are we, it's let the ball go through the net. Whoever's closest to it, get it out. Get it, get it out, get it in, get it up. That's another saying. Like get it out, get it in, and get it up the floor, and we play. And because what happens is the NBA is so well scouted. If it's a made shot, and we lollygag over, we pick it up, we throw it in, we walk it up, we call four up. By the time you call four up. The other team's screaming for up They know what's coming. Oh, it's a post-up for Carl or it's a pick-and-roll with Rudy and Ant, so they can get set. But by getting, by running when the clock is running and you get it out and you get it up, and now you can attack before they're set. Now you're looking for early driving lanes. Everybody gets to their spot. It's kind of a sequenced break, if you will, yeah. and everybody's there. And then, and then you usually the best shots happen earlier in the shot clock. And as the shot clock is winding down, so does your points per pet excuse me, your points per possession. I don't want to get into all the analytics of it, but right. it's common sense. You think about all the fast breaks, that's when people are scoring. And uh, and it's amazing how your offense works. The best way to score is obviously after a live ball turnover, but also after a miss because the defense isn't set, people are there. But if the, if the ball gets through the net and we get it out quickly and get it up, you can almost
0: kind of steal
1: a couple possessions and get some easy buckets, which
0: obviously what you're trying to do. So so being part of basketball as long as you have, uh, either as advanced scout when you started in the late 90s or uh, a longtime assistant coach, at least for now, um, it, that there are, are obviously certain edicts with basketball from when you start playing back in elementary or middle school. No bounce passes in the key. Don't pick up your dribble uh, by the baseline. Uh, things like that. We prefer the skip pass. If you see it, go ahead and skip it over the defense if they're playing zone and get yourself a three. Getting back on defense, that that also is a mandate. It's also an edict, even at the youngest ages of basketball. And with all due respect, what, what, was that a problem at times for you guys last year? And, and what I'm getting at is it, it, maybe it's lack of effort or lack of desire at certain times with people getting frustrated, but you know, Rudy Gobert is not the fastest. Cat's not the fastest. Anthony's MVP-type guy, but he's not lickety-split quick. Uh, you see what I'm saying here? Getting back on defense with a team that that's not super fast. No, 100%. I think um, what you say most of the time is
1: we're back on the raise of the shot. And, and again, that's one thing great about basketball is the same drills that we're doing, whether it be shell drill, and you touched on a lot of them. It's the same drills that we all did when we were playing uh, junior high and right. elementary in the very first drill. We still do a lot of four on four, a lot of that type of things. And we do a transition drill and a get back drill every single day to a yeah. point where even more running just would be five on no offense when a shot goes up you want to get back. And a lot of times, you, you have different rules. So if you're above the break and the three-point line where it starts to, to turn or above the free-throw line, be better. Is If you are above that, then you need to get back. And when we say on the raise of the shot, is as the jump shooter is going up, getting ready to get it back, you are sprinting back. Mm. And that kind of goes back to the same thing we were talking about earlier about when the clock is running, you're running. If other people are doing that to us, the best way to combat it is to get back. Yeah. Obviously, we're much better when we have all five defenders back as quickly as can so we can number one stop the ball and protect the rim all the same things that everybody's been taught and teaching throughout but a lot of times guys whether they're tired to your point or whether they're a little bit lazy or even if you say they're a little bit selfish where they are crashing the glass from the top of the floor and now all of a sudden what happens is you're always it's odd man rush coming at you where it's a three on two or a two on one instead of just getting back because we show them numbers all the time we are so much better I mean we were a top 10 defense this year and we say if we were let's say we were 15th in transition defense as opposed to a bottom third, now you're all the way up to five in defense. Wow. And when you talk about that, it's, it doesn't seem like it's a lot, but can you imagine if you had three points every single game, mm. difference, in, and we play a lot of close ball games just because of the nature of the West and how it is, now all of a sudden a couple of losses become wins.
0: Yeah, you, um, uh, you, you played baseball for some good IU Hoosiers teams. Uh, at least one made the NCAA tournament. So, so why the flip to hoops? Soon after college?
1: Um, I think a couple things. One, now back in the day, and probably all a lot of us that are a little bit older can attest to we played whatever was in season. Mm-hmm. So we played four months, whether you played football or soccer, and then you played four months of basketball, and then you played baseball or track or whatever. And now everything is like specialization, you see. Yeah, it's kind of tough. But so I played all three uh, sports growing up, um, all the way through high school, and was a better baseball player. So I had an opportunity to have a baseball scholarship to Indiana. And then, long story long, I guess, when I got out and got finished at Miami, Ohio. Butch Carter, who you guys would all know, Chris Carter, is his older brother from Middletown, Ohio, very close to them. And he was the head coach of the Toronto Raptors. And he said, hey, do you want to come up and intern with me? And I said, Butch, I've been hitting baseballs for the last four years. And he yeah. said, it's just about dealing with people. And again, no, nothing different than any of you all in your jobs. It's all getting along with people and trying to lead people. And then, yeah, it just happens to be that we're playing a game. Hmm. And um, so it's getting guys to put them in the right position. And I thought I'd go up there and intern for a year. And here I am getting ready to go on my 25th season in the NBA, so I've been very, very fortunate had a lot of good people help me along the way.
0: Amen. That a terrific story. And, and well, Alex Rodriguez, as we know, is one of the uh, key owners of the Minnesota Timberwolves, and Micah was a middle infielder for these good IU teams. So, <laughs> I mean, when you first met A-Rod, what was that like? Well, it's
1: funny and, again, a great story, and I even told him and we laughed about it. We were 15 years old um, in Euclid, Ohio, up and around Cleveland at a uh, and in basically like a travel team tournament or this World Series. And he was playing for New York. Mm. So I met him in a gym. He wouldn't remember. I remembered him, obviously, because of who he is. And he told us, we said, you know, where are you going to go to college? He's like, I'll probably go to Miami, Florida, and probably play quarterback and shortstop if I'm not the top pick in the draft. And we're kind of like, what? This guy is crazy. Wow. And then two months later, when we opened up the Sports Illustrated magazine, there was a full spread, the chosen one. And we're like, oh, okay, maybe the guy's telling us the truth. <laughs> So we laugh, but it was uh and he's great and obviously his his experience with baseball and being at high level teams is, is really helped our guys and he just he gets it. He's one of those guys that and again, like you say,
0: baseball, football, basketball, it's it's it really is dealing with people. Yes. Uh Mike Anori, lead assistant for Chris Finch on the Minnesota Timberwolves staff. Time for a few more. Then the great NFC North debate uh unfurls in the final hour. Uh uh, uh Michael, what um what are some keys in your estimation to getting better? from Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns when they're on the floor together? I think that's, an, that's another good
1: question. I think when you look at last year and we analyze it and you, you reanalyze it and all that, it was essentially like we had three different teams. And why I say that was you had that initial team with, with Delo and that starting group with, with Carl and Rudy, and Rudy got in a little bit late to camp because of his obligation with the French team. So we were just getting ready to roll, and then Carl gets hurt. So we played essentially fifty games without Carl. Then Carl comes back and then you trade D'Angelo for Mike Conley. So it's kind of a new team and just about when the season was ready to end is when everybody was kind of finding their groove. Yeah. So we take time and just just finishing up edits now, I mean a little bit where all the post ups with Carl, a lot of things is Carl we know is very good. Anywhere on the floor, whether it's in the post or the top of the floor, and you just start looking at the spacing, like whether is Rudy down in the dunker um, opposite, or is he up setting flares for the smalls to get them open? So mm. you just try and show them where they're effective, and it's amazing. The one thing about film is film doesn't lie, and it takes away all the personal feelings out of it, if you will. So when you start showing these guys edits and this is how we're effective and when he has the ball here, if we're doing this, this is what worked. This is not so much. And let's try to put ourselves in positions where we can be successful. But um, I think the two bigs will work. And the reason I think so is offensively, Carl is so skilled. Rudy is so good at doing what he does, offensive glass and working the dunker and setting players. But the other thing is, Rudy is such an eraser defensively. Yeah, And I think that's what you kind of worry about. And then when you add a J to McDaniels, and Anthony Edwards and Mike Conley, who is a who is very good defensively. When you add those guys, um, then you can absorb playing with the two bigs. And, and I still
0: think that... Uh that we can have some success with sure. now, now. With Tim, um, you, Chris, and everybody involved, uh, uh, reshaping or, or finding three point shooting from the bench. Mm-hmm. Enter Shake Milton, uh, who most recently played with the Philadelphia 76ers. and I followed his career pretty closely. It's weird, man. I, you know, maybe he doesn't play any defense. I got no idea, but like Harden or Tyrese Maxey or somebody would go down, and Shake would get like three games in a row at like thirty four plus minutes a game, score like twenty eight a game, hitting all these three. And everything, and then you couldn't find him with a searchlight for a month. Mm-hmm. So, what did we get in Shake Milton? It, it's funny. I think um, I have a good buddy that worked with the with the
1: Sixers this past year, and, and just calling him as you all do and trying to do the research and all that. And he said basically what you're saying. He said he'd come in in spurts, he'd play three games, and then he'd be just gone, just the way that the rotations <laughs> worked and the minutes and all that. But he's number one, you're not going to get a better kid, you're not going to get a harder worker. And every time he got an opportunity, which is what you want, especially out of guys out of bench, he's performed. Yeah, and so. Uh, I think that he will will add to exactly what you're speaking of, give us a little bit more consistency, some shooting off of the bench, and and the other thing is Mike Conley, who is in phenomenal shape and a great athlete and all this, and takes care of himself. He's getting a little bit older, so yep. anytime that you have a guy like whether it's Shake, Dorm- whoever it may be, Nikhil Alexander, no, that depth that you can fill in and, and give spot minutes to uh, to those guys and give them consistent minutes, then I think that uh, they start feeling better about themselves, and then just especially shooting, the more you're on the floor and, and you're
0: comfortable and getting your consistent. The minutes, the better off you'll be. All righty, Michael. Last one, and and Anthony Edwards, high end player, and um and he's so versatile offensively, but but he's at a stage of his career, in my opinion, where he should start entering MVP conversation every single year. At least be considered. He may not win, but he has that type of a skill set. How, how close is Anthony to consistently becoming? A, a most valuable player type. I think you hit on that. I think he's right there. I think the
1: easiest way when you look at these high-end MVP type players, and especially, can you get your own shot and can you guard your own position yeah. without help? And I think if you just boil it down to that and make it that simple, and and there's very few people that can do both of those. There's a lot of guys that can get their own shot, but can't guard. And then there's a lot of people that can defend, but can't play offense. And he is one of those guys that can be a very, very high-end two-way player. I think I saw a stat the other day of just on-the-ball defensive steals, and he's right there in the top three in the league. So hmm. Not only from the defensive end, but we all know how dynamic he is offensively. He can get to the bucket. He can, he can shoot the mid-range. He can obviously shoot the three. And the other thing that's great about Anthony is, and you guys have all seen it, in his interviews and all this, he's a very... He's very, he's very sure of himself, but he's really a very selfless person and a great teammate and really cares about the guy next to him. So he'll get just as excited about a great assist as he will a big-time dunk or a big-time three. But back to your question, with him being an MVP candidate, he's absolutely right there. We obviously know that the talent is there, and you see especially this becoming his fourth year coming in. The first year, you just kind of figure out where's the locker room? What's the bus times? What am I doing here? The second and third year, you're wanting to make sure you fit in with all your teammates and with basically the same team coming back, and him knowing and and feeling that he is a huge part of this, where he can almost take over some of the reins, and from that leadership standpoint and all that, but night in and night out, he will be in those conversations for a long, long time,
0: as long as he's healthy. Awesome meeting you, man. Thanks uh, for taking time. Time to come out to the fair. Best of luck to you guys, all right? Thank you so much. I've enjoyed it. Hey, Mike and Nori with the uh, Timberwolves coaching staff. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky.